What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, the show where I, your host, just a normal guy with a lazy eye, Jared Magazine, talks to a way cooler person with a way better story. And that is no exception here. We are talking to the ever-talented Kathleen Regan, who is a singer and songwriter born and raised here in New England, just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And it is an incredible story. The thing that I like about Kathleen that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy in this interview is her ability to keep her New England roots in her singing and songwriting. You know, Kathleen moved out to Nashville, Tennessee early on in her career, but the stories that she tells in her songs can really resonate with that of the New England native, whether it's Coast of Maine, a beautiful song about her, her, her and her dad uh, growing up on the beaches of Maine. She's recorded music videos at Acadia National Park. It really is kind of that homegrown root of New England that I love about her music. And it really is, she's just a a heartwarming individual, a really fun story to be heard here on this episode. So without further ado, please enjoy the ever so talented Kathleen Regan. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. Well, we got another New Englander on the show. Kathleen Regan is a singer and songwriter from Holliston, Massachusetts, or the greater Boston area. <laughs> She's now out in Nashville, Tennessee. Her latest EP, People in Places Volume 1, is out now on Spotify. She has a brand new music video out right now for Mercy. We're going to be sharing it on social, so be sure to go check it out. Kathleen, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's exciting to have you. Oh my gosh, of course, dude. Anytime. I'm excited. It's going to be good. Yeah, this is going to be good. So I feel like we've gotten to know each other by association of a very specific couple that we both know. And I'm talking about (laughs) Dylan Brady and Brigida. And I was actually texting them last night. And is it true that you set them up? This is true. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I take credit, blame, whatever you want to call it. That was all me. Absolutely. I'm like, I'm thrilled about it. And it's been really funny to watch because... (laughs) I mean, I'm sure Brigitte would admit this. If she hasn't, then I'm going to say it for her. But um, she definitely in the beginning was very like, I don't know, like I'm just not sure. And Dylan was like, oh my gosh, you have to introduce me to your friend. Like the passion levels were totally different. Like it took Brigitte a second to be like, mm-hmm. oh wait, yeah, I do love that guy. So it was really, <laughs> it was really funny to watch the, the, the progress of it, to be honest. Yeah. But great. I mean, I love them. I find them both extremely talented. And I know they've been like, working their butt off and writing and working so much during quarantine. And I just, yeah, I'm excited for both of them in life always. So. Yeah. So wow. Musician by day, matchmaker by night. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> I know, man. I'm going to start like a website or something like, <laughs> for artists to come together. Cause it is a very specific thing. Like some are big headed, like, you know, you got, you have certain things you got to figure out first. You're going to make like the hinge of hinge of songwriters out in Nashville or something. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. There's so many of you guys out there. They're bound to come together. I mean, Nashville's full of them. And yeah, I have plenty of single songwriter friends that would probably hop on my app if I could like find the perfect person. I love it. <laughs> so so how are you? What's new? Tell me, tell me everything. We'll get into a bunch of things, but what's new with you? Yes. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, honestly. Um, I mean, yeah, the best you can be, I guess, in this past year and the year like leading into this, you know, it's all a lot for sure. Um, but as far as me personally, I, I feel fortunate that I've been able to, to release music last year and just to be able to to progress and write songs over Zoom. And I've been meeting new people. And like it's this last EP that I released has opened a lot of doors for me. And I just feel super fortunate and excited for new music to come. And I'm just kind of taking it day by day. I think I think in the past I've I've tend to like look ahead and put a lot of pressure on myself of things I wanted to achieve and and I think striving for success and and um, accomplishments is great. But I think for me it's like I'm just trying to be more present and mindful and like calm about life and just accept things as as they come to me. And so that's it's been really good. Like I feel feel good. I'm like you know just going through the motions. Yeah. <laughs> no. To- I I hear you. I hear you. And I think we we had actually Spencer Crandall on a couple of episodes back and we were talking a little bit about celebrating the small victories because I feel like, especially in the music realm, like you can get caught up in a lot of like bigger goals and really wanting to get to those goals and get to those accomplishments, but then miss the, you know, 
small victories here and there. And then when you get to that big accomplishment, you're like, well, I'm here, but I don't really remember any of the journey. And I feel like taking that time to your point, like settle down, calm down a little bit and realize like, it's all good right now and it's going to get better. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, that's been huge. Even just as an, I mean, as a person too, like I, I grew up doing like a lot of acting and stuff along those lines in Boston. And so I think I was always very used to hearing the word no in my life and like getting rejected. Like as a young child, who was just like auditioning for everything I could. It was like constantly having doors slammed in my face. And so anytime I did get a yes, it was like really exciting, whether it was like a voiceover or like a national commercial. Like I think my parents were very good right. about like the no's and the yeses, like feeling the same. And so I think as I've grown up through life, like I, it's, I just try not to like let either of those words really like like sail my emotions very much because totally yeah that just gets tricky and then like you want the day that you like for me this year like hitting a half a million streams was a first for me like I have friends who sail into the millions so easily and just like anything they put out catches fire and I'm like okay like you know and, and for a while that was really hard to look at you know and it's like I just think it's really important to have the same feeling at half a million as you would at 10 and the same feeling playing a so far sounds show as like the day I'll play the Ryman. Like I always want those to feel the same and like in like my soul, like it'll be mm. different situations, but I think they have to fill you the same or else you just drowned really. <laughs> Definitely a hundred percent. So let's start at the very beginning because like to your point, you said you've been in the music industry for a very long time, but let's go back to, to the little town out in Massachusetts. What was like, was music a big thing in your guys' household from a very early age, at least can you remember? You know, it really, it really wasn't. I mean, my dad and my mom have both been music lovers. Like my mom grew up with like the Osmond brothers. I have loved Donnie Osmond since I was like six years old. Like she was the first one to really show me like what a fan looked like. And I think that's been a really awesome thing for me to see as an artist now, like, she's a music advocate. And then my dad had, has very good taste in music. He showed me a lot of Irish and folk music and Alison Krauss and just like a lot of storytellers like John Prine and all that from a very young age. But I never really took to it when I was like in my preteens because I was listening to like the Jonas Brothers and was like, I don't care about anything else. And so it took me a second to like really dive, (laughs) dive into like the music that I put on now. Um, but yeah, I definitely had a great influence as far as I like, tasted music from a young age, but nobody sang in my family, um, like professionally or like even as like just really any form of it. My dad sings, um, but he never really took to it um, quite like I did. But um, it was actually my mom's friend who noticed mm-hmm. my voice and like my tone from, I think I was four years old, just like singing in the kitchen. And she was like, man, like Kathleen, like when she sings, she's like, she's hitting notes. Like she's not like missing like her right. sounding bad, you know, she's like, have you ever thought about like having her audition for like musical theater or something? My mom's like, not really. And so then she took me to an audition, um, just at like a side theater in Massachusetts, like an off Broadway thing. Um, they were doing the sound of music and yep. I tried out for Greta Von Trapp and I got the part. Like it was really just one of those things where I think somebody had saw something in me that my parents probably either just didn't think of like, you know, kids sing all the time, like the girls I nanny sing often, you know? So it's like, I was just fortunate somebody put the opportunity in front of me to take. And so, yeah, started with musical theater and then through high school, I was just a huge, huge theater nerd and yeah, life happens and you end up like finding out how to feel emotions and process things. And for me, that was writing songs and I just kind of haven't stopped doing that. (laughs) Would would you say like five years old up on the stage of for sound of music, like, I mean, I don't know what I was doing at five years old, but it definitely wasn't that. Um, like, is that where you got like your performance bug, would you say? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's funny because I, I as it is, have a pretty terrible memory. So I by no means remember what those feelings were like. Like, I think a lot of kids are like, I just knew. And for me, I was like, I was just doing where, like I was just performing where my parents dropped me off. You know what I mean? Like, I don't remember feeling like, it was it, you know, or like I was where I was supposed to be. I think I kind of just loved to sing. I loved being around older people. And um, I just felt really connected to those theater personalities from a start. I, I read that you started writing songs as early as 10. What kind of, what kind of songs do do 10 year olds typically write? (laughs) Oh my God. Not good ones. That's for sure. Um, (laughs) 
Literally, my poor mom probably listened to so many just terrible, terrible songs. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I know that um, I had a song I wrote when I was like 11 called Where We're At. And that was like a big, mm-hmm. big, big moment for me when I completed that song. And I got to like demo it at a little studio. And Aww. so I, I remember those moments really well. Um, but yeah, not not good ones. Like, man, I was in for a treat. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah and, and you, you, you kind of talked about it a little bit like who your who your dad would listen to who your mom would listen to kind of maybe, maybe like while you were driving to the sound of music rehearsals at five years old but as you started becoming more and more uh you know inversed in, in music and and starting to see like what's out there who were some of those that you felt inspired by when you really started putting more pen to paper and writing these songs yeah I mean so kind of not to like repeat myself, but I think um, it was kind of interesting in the beginning because I think my inspiration did make a really big circle. My dad, when I was young, put Joni Mitchell and John Prine, Brandy Carlisle, all these people in front of me to listen to. But I think when you're young, you don't really realize like how, like just how good that music is. Like I was so just looking around at everything my friends were listening to or um, you know, and that was good and had, and had its time too. But, um, I definitely, when I moved to Nashville, learned a lot about just what a great songwriter was. Like I, I didn't know Dolly Parton before I came here. And so there, there was a lot of that learning space for me, Johnny Cash. I mean, you, anybody in that world, really, um, I just started being like, wow, this reminds me so much of what my dad always tried to get me to listen to. <laughs> and now right, I'm doing right. my choice, you know? And yeah. Yeah. And it just became what I, what I loved listening to. So I think always just, I mean, great songwriters like that. I started listening to the Beatles when I was in high school. So I think a lot of that definitely transformed um, my writing. Definitely. And you said it at the top, right? When you were in high school, you started listening to the likes of the Jonas Brothers and obviously great band, great group of guys. And then doing my research (laughs) and no shame in that, but in doing my research, I saw that you actually shared the stage with those guys uh back when you were what 15 like so like 2010 oh my gosh yeah about a decade ago yeah it's crazy oh about a decade ago like, 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 <laughs> yeah you're making yourself sound really old here but can you take us I, through can you can you take us through that ex- whole experience oh my gosh yeah I mean talk about blacking out like I I feel like I hardly remember right. like <laughs> I was just like what oh you're gonna let me actually physically get on stage with you guys okay yeah, no, I was, I was just there um, during a sound check. It was like, I had done my research days before my mom gave me this for my birthday, like a, a sound check, like VIP experience with the Jonas Brothers. Mm-hmm. And I had seen on, on YouTube and stuff, like all these girls asking questions during a Q&A. And I was like, oh, there's a Q&A portion. Like, that's awesome. And so I told my mom, I was like, I'm going to make a list of like my summer bucket list. Um and the last thing is going to be to sing with Nick Jonas. And she was like, okay, whatever. And I remember getting there. I was like such a crazy fan. I knew everybody who worked on their team. Like I was a full psychopath. So I remember looking yeah. at this guy who was their tour manager at the time. And I just like darted over to him. And I was like, can I ask a question? He was like, yeah. Like you could tell he's like, didn't give a shit. He's like, whatever. And so I like grabbed yeah. my, <laughs> and I was like, um, can I sing with you guys? That was my question. Like the worst. Oh, and every girl there was like, God, not this girl. Yeah, we're like, we hate her. But then so yeah. Joe, Joe and Nick and like Kevin, they were like, yeah, sure. Like whatever. Like they were like, we don't care. And so I remember like getting led backstage. Um, this was in Massachusetts, but like the outdoor amphitheater, I'm sure you've been. I feel like they've called it a million different things, a Comcast center. I'm trying to remember what it was mm-hmm. that year. Yeah. But anyway, you know where I'm talking about. But um Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I just remember getting in the video. It's like I would have no words to like remember that. I just remember staring at Nick Jonas and being like, we could get married after this. Like that, I feel like that could happen for us. Um right. but yeah, I just was like, he just started playing the song I asked him to, and then we were singing and it was like it was beautiful. And I remember Joe pushing me closer to him and like I just remember all these little moments that like yeah it's pretty hilarious. Such a weird time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, right after high school, I'm sure once you perform with Nick Jonas, you're like, okay, I need to go out to LA, right? So you move out to LA straight from high school right after graduation. Like coming from a kid that spent his entire life growing up in Southern California and then moved to the New England area and 
I can imagine what the transition was like, but what was that transition like for you going coast to coast in, in a whole new world, essentially? I mean, yeah, I know that that's like, that's a great question. That was like a really big, that was a big life lesson for me for sure. Because um, right after high school, I, I went on the voice, like I, I went through some auditions and like met friends on that show and, and it didn't quite pan out the way that I thought it would for myself, but I ended up making some really great friends. And so when I got back home after that experience to Boston, I just told my parents, I'm like, I have to be in LA. Like, I just mm-hmm. need all these friends. And like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. And like the day I landed in LA, the girl that was supposed to pick me up was like, oh, like you're coming today. Like, I didn't know that. And I was like, I hate this place. <laughs> and like, honestly, from there, it was it was a lot. I mean, I was only 18. Like I just had really, really high expectations for that place. And so, um, yeah, that was tricky to navigate. And it was hard for me to not feel like it had anything to do with me and like my talent level or like who I was as a person. And so I think LA definitely like, it only took me about four months to be like, this is not, this is not my place. (laughs) I, yeah, I, I think that's a great point because I think Los Angeles is really a dog-eat-dog world out there. Like it, what we see in the movies and what you see when you're out there. I mean, I'm not, I, I can't really speak to it because I'm not like saying I was a, a you know high-end performer, or, like wanted to be the next, you know, Justin Bieber, whatever. But like, it really is like, if you don't, if you don't really know someone that knows someone that knows someone, or if you're not in a, in a group, like, it can get tough and you could very much find yourself being the next waitress at California pizza kitchen. I feel like 100%. Yeah. And like without even realizing that that's what you're doing too. Like yeah, it happens. It's crazy. Yeah. You're like, okay, I need to pay a rent somewhere and I, this is not getting it done. Yes. Yes. I totally had this like made up version in my head of what it was going to be like. And, it, and again, it taught me some like extremely valuable lessons about myself as a person and I'm so glad I did it and it's also exactly what led me to Nashville in the first place um Mm. but yeah you got to be like a special kind of person to go there with no connection that should be like a supporting sentence because I think if you go there and you know people and and you have a plan or like you're a signed artist you know there's plenty of situations that would make LA a really really great place for you absolutely but I think me like coming out of a little like New England suburb like this is gonna be cool it was like not just like not what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, it's it's not. I I can I totally understand. So we you know you, you pack up, you move out to Nashville, and we've had plenty of Nashville-based uh, artists on the show, and they all kind of give a, a very different answer to this. So I kind of want to hear your answer here. So, what makes Nashville so special for singers and songwriters like yourself? Man, I I think for me personally, the the greatest part about living here has been the ability to learn how to be a good songwriter like that is this is the place to do it like I wouldn't encourage anybody to go anywhere else in the whole world like this is the place where you really can put yourself up against just some of the greatest songwriters and to me that's a that's like a a lesson you could never pay for you know it's like you're at these writers rounds when you're 16 17 years old listening to sometimes really shit songs next to you but sometimes like really great songs that you're like yeah. how am I even sitting next to this person and I think to have both of those for me at a young age was I mean I was just able to look at who I wanted to be and like you're in towns with Lauren McKenna and Shane McEnally you know it's like it just doesn't get better than visibly seeing hard work turn into success and I think you know those songwriters would easily say they never had it right when they got here but it's a mm-hmm. very safe place to learn and i think that's what makes it just one of the best cities in the world so how, with all the with all the talent that's out there right like how do you as a writer and i like i know there's different genres and especially in nashville like a lot of people are doing a lot of different things but how are you breaking through that noise of okay she's just another songwriter from that's based out in nashville with her music yeah yeah it, i mean it's it's certainly hard like that that breakthrough does not come easy, but I'm also not sure that it's ever like one moment. I think you have to kind of stay in front of people. You have to stay learning and growing and all these things. Like I, I've just been fortunate to, to be able to be, have these people placed in my life that are in the, that are in the place to help me and, and, and vice versa. Like it wasn't until just this last year that I teamed up with a distribution company in town called Tone Tree who are like home to some really you know, just singer songwriters I look up to and 
when I put out this EP, that was our first time working together. And so they had these connections at, you know, Spotify playlists and Apple music and all these places that I didn't have a foot in the door in. And so I think for me, that's been my difference is finding people who enjoy what I'm doing and who I respect. And there's this mutual, like, you know, maybe, maybe there's something here. And I think, mm-hmm. um, I think you just have to work and then wait for those moments. And that's not like the greatest thing to hear, but it's exactly like if someone had told me that I would have been like, okay, like if you want something bad enough, I think you'd wait for it to come. Definitely. Definitely. So, you know, moving across the country to LA from Boston and then going out to Nashville, like how do you try to keep your call it New England roots in the music that you're writing today to show that, okay, this is where, this is who I am and this is where I'm from. Yeah. I like that question. Um, I would definitely say that I have had that style of music instilled in me in a really long time, like before a really long time, all those Irish and folk roots, you know, they found their way to Boston really quickly. And so anytime you go out to pubs or writers rounds, that is what a lot of it feels like. It feels like Nashville. It feels like Dublin, like having, you know, been fortunate enough to to go to some of these places. Like, I think the reason why I loved Ireland so much is because it felt like Boston, you know, it felt homey and welcoming. And there was like this space for that kind of style. And so I think, yeah, I think for me that those roots are kind of just like genuinely who I am. Like that's that's the stories I, I love to listen to. And, you know, I, I just could never fake trying to, to bend another genre into what I do. It's just kind of what I love. And so I think that's how it stays. Definitely. It's funny that you bring up Ireland, right? Cause I mean, it, the Irish are here and they're, they're very, like Boston loves Ireland, but even more so Ireland loves Boston. It's funny. My sister's girlfriend or my, sorry, my girlfriend's sister, um, she just studied abroad in Ireland and she would tell people she's from New York because she's from Connecticut, but similar to like how you're from the little town in Massachusetts, you're from Boston. Yes. Like I'm from New York City. So the, and then the people in Ireland would be like, oh, so Boston, right? And she's like, well, no, but <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Dude, no, when I was, I was there for a summer a few years ago and um, I would purposely wear like Patriots hats and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. sweatshirts so that people would be like, oh, like just like automatically know that I was like in with them. And like so often I would like be like, yeah, I'm from Boston. And they're like, welcome home. Like they're just <laughs> the most like welcoming people I've ever met. So yeah, they're very like, you know, very connected um, for sure. I think that's why it's like one of my favorite places. Do you, do you like from when you were performing here in New England locally before moving out to Nashville and Los Angeles, like, do you have some favorite spots that you would really like to perform at or even like come back to when the time, when the time's right in 2021, hopefully? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, I've always like for near future stuff, like the city winery in Boston would be really cool. I mean, I would love to do that. Um, I spent a lot of time honestly in like a little cafe in my small town. It was called Pajama Joe's, but I'm not sure that it's called that anymore <laughs> or that it's still open. But that is where shout I like Pajama Joe's. Like, yeah, shout out Pajama Joe's. Um, but yeah, that was honestly, that's where I played the most. And then from there, it was a lot of so far sounds like Boston shows was like the next community. Um, I never really did like the inner city grind of like those cafes and, um, and that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's filled with places I would love. I think if the Orpheum Theater is still open, that's always been one of mine too. But I heard through the pandemic that there was a chance that that was one of the small businesses that wouldn't um, wouldn't quite rise up, which would be yeah. really sad because yeah. that, was, that was a good place. But um, but yeah, man, I would love to go back. The City Winery, for sure. Um, they have one here in Nashville too. And there's just something really special about that style of listening room. Like I, mm-hmm. I just love that stuff. Yeah. Definitely. Do you, would you say there's a big difference in like touring in New England or like doing like the the side, like the, you know, the hustling and, and doing any gig out here in New England versus like doing the gigs out, you know, in Nashville or even like down South, even I, I'm not sure like what that tour route is like, or the difference between the two, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a difference. And there's also just something special about going home. Like anytime yeah. I go home to play, it's I mean, A, it's just that I can see friends and family again, who I probably only get to see twice a year. But also, yeah, there is there's a different energy in a place where there's not as much of something. Like I think in Nashville, you don't exactly go out to like get validation, if that makes sense. It's kind of like one of those places, just if I'm like being candid, like oftentimes when you're at songwriting rounds and stuff, people are very just like, 
Hmm. You know, like looking yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time. There's places filled with it. Like, how could you not become a little that way? You know? Yeah, and sure. I think it's hard to see music when you see it every day and hear it exactly like you're hearing it for the first time. And I think sometimes when you go to other places who don't have as much of this, it's like brilliant, you know? And um, so, yeah, that's a hard, that's hard. That's the hard thing about performing in Nashville. Like I've heard that some bands even skip performing here because of that feeling, because it's like, there's this like tension of like, wow, just like having to be so great, which I yeah. think is like really, really silly because music's supposed to be enjoyable and like relaxing and whatever you need it to be. But, um, but yeah, I always prefer performing elsewhere to be honest, because it just gives me a better feeling. I, hey, I hear that. And like a lot of times we ask people like, where's, where's the best place you've performed? Like what's your favorite place to perform? And it's you, I, pretty much you know, like 10 out of 10 times, they'll say the hometown is always the best. Cause whether it's like, your best friends are coming to see you for the, like you said, for the first time, and uh, you know, whether it's a year, a couple months, or even like the random people in high school that you were like somewhat friends with, but they're like, Oh, like, I think I went to high school with Kathleen. Like, yeah. let's go check her out. Like, it's like, it's kind of cool to, to get to see that full circle. Definitely. Yeah. That that's, that's been really cool. It's definitely funny who like, who comes back around and like supports you. You're like, Oh, I totally didn't think you'd ever care about what I was doing. But <laughs> <laughs> exactly I love it so so let's talk about the new EP here for a second so people in places volume one it's you have some deep emotions and, and personal lyrics that really create a wide range of emotions like what was it like to create that sort of different array of emotions to feel in this project like what was that like for you yeah I mean so there's there's different stories intertwined in that in that EP that um, some are old stories and some were brand new when I wrote them, you know, like The Gentleman, for example, that was a song that um, me and my friend Simone wrote and um, we were new friends and I had a new experience and we just kind of talked about it. And it was like very candid, like, I feel very fortunate now that I feel like I've, I've created this circle of writers who are in it for the same reasons that I am. And that's like, to tell the truth and like help people process emotions. I think that's just the gift I've been given that I'm able to tell a story in this way. And so I feel so fortunate when I find these people who are like right on the same page with me. And Simone is one of those people. Like when we sat down and started The Gentleman, it just like came out. Like it was one of the easiest songs I've ever written. Like I literally remember saying to him, I just don't know how he sleeps at night after all like the crap he's done to me and whoever else, you know, I don't even know these people. Yeah. And like it just started, you know, the song just flowed from there and and Mercy was a little different. Like that was a, a way heavier situation for me and something I went through a few years ago with someone here in the music industry that left me very like just feeling like this big and mm-hmm. and it took me a long time to speak about that. Like the emotions were pulled from from of various places um but yeah all heavy I mean the coast of Maine I put out about a little over a year and a half now and like that was just from a day of again another really good friend of mine who I'm able to to share all of my emotions with and that was a day I was just really missing home and like missing my dad and missing being by the water and missing that feeling of like nothing really matters that much <laughs> like yeah. I wanted that so bad um so yeah I I would just say I'm lucky that I'm in a community of of writers who are able to pull that out of me I think sometimes you have sessions that are like beating around the bush or like not they don't really fuel you as a songwriter you're just doing it Mm -hmm. um but I try and avoid those sessions at all costs I I hear you and and I feel like we take for granted songwriter's ability to display those emotions because it's one thing to write it and then pass it off to somebody else to sing and then it's like well then so and so is feeling that emotion but it's like your song but I feel like it's your song you wrote it it's the emotions that you feel and I'm displaying it for the world to hear like I feel as a listener we we don't necessarily take that into account I feel like there's some bigger bigger songs out there too like Demi Lovato's song that she was literally asking for help and everyone's like this is a great song and no no one really took action to it and so I don't know it's just interesting to me like the vulnerability musicians have when when writing new songs and putting out specific emotions about their feelings definitely and that's that's like that's really cool to hear that as a listener um something to pick up on because I guess as an artist like you just kind of do it like you just get on stage and you're like again I really feel like i I'm I was born to tell those stories. And so I would, I just could never forgive myself if I didn't. 
you know, or like gave it off to other people, you know, and I, I've never had that experience where I've written a song really important to me and then somebody else has wanted to cut it, you know, like that, that's a world I am interested in, like here, sitting here now in 2021, like, I don't know what that would feel like if you're like, oh my gosh, I poured this entire piece of me into this and now I just have to give it away, you know, like I, I wonder how much of a challenge that is for songwriters, um, but I think as an artist, you just, you just kind of do it because you feel like it's your job. Definitely. I, yeah, I, I really never thought of it that way. Like sometimes, like for me, I'd be like, oh my God, I would never want to like, I, there are stories like I'm very comfortable sharing, but then there are like, I'm like, oh wow, like that's, it takes, it takes guts, I think personally from the listener side. And then just here you go, well, yeah, it's like what I do. It's it's just kind of funny to hear that. It's it's really awesome. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think, and I, I think it's just like, I've, I've performed a bit in like where, where it's really exciting is when someone comes up to you with a song that you do pour your whole art into and they're like, I am with you. Like I understood every one of those emotions. Like I'll never forget, I was doing so far New York show about about a year ago. And I was playing this song I wrote called Damn Good Life. And I was just throwing this one into my set because it was an older song of mine. I know how to play it like the back of my hand. And I was like, I'm just gonna play this one because it's like the end of the night, like whatever, like let's just, let's top it off with like an old song. And this girl afterwards, she was sitting by me. Like I went to go sit back down and watch the other performers. And she was just crying her eyes out. And she was like oh trying to goodness. keep it to herself. <laughs> and I was like, and she just like put her hand on my leg. And she was like, you are so tall. Like I was right with you for all of that. And I was like, really? Wow. Like in that moment, I took for granted what my song could do for somebody. Like I was, I was just like, oh, I play this a lot. And like, who am I to even say that? Like Rascal Flatts plays like God Bless the Broken Road. Like upwards of a million times and I'm sitting here like oh I'm just playing one of my songs like whatever but I was like I've played this so many times like I'll just toss it in and I had no clue just like that that girl was going to feel that way and that was such a reminder to me of like every time you play your song someone's hearing it for the first time and that could be really helpful for somebody like that's Mm. that's what I get to do not like what I have to do and so that day like I'll just never forget the genuine emotion she was feeling and just like how happy that made me that I was able to do that for somebody and like it was so cool and like we still keep in touch and I just think it's awesome that music does that that is awesome and I that's what I love about music for sure so like during times like this like we don't I, we don't have to get into like what's going on in the world if, if you've been living under a rock you, you would still know what's going on but yeah. like for from a musician's standpoint right? You find inspirations in traveling. You find inspirations in, in hanging out with different groups of people. And in a time where we are so isolated, or at least it feels like there are, we're separated by, you know, year, like, like miles and miles between our families and friends. Where does the inspiration come from now that this is such a, just a 180 world of what we were used to pre-pandemic, pre all this? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And it's been, just to be frank, like that has been hard for me because my EP is literally titled people and places. Like that's where I get my inspiration from is people Mm -hmm. I get to talk to and meet in places that make you forget the little bubble that you're living in. Like that's absolutely where creativity comes from. And so, yeah, this year has been hard, but I think for me, a lot of the songs that I'm most excited about putting out next are a lot of self-reflecting, like revolving around mental health and anxiety and all these things that um, when I'm able to talk to people who DM me about my music and stuff, a lot of it is like, I've been struggling with this and I love in this song the way you said that. And it all kind of comes back to like anxiety and mental health and questioning everything. And so I think, um, I think I was just trying my best in all these sessions to dive into that true feeling of like being in a moment of just like hardship and when things are unsure. Um, And I think I'm able to create like a lot of really authentic songs that I probably needed more than anybody else will. And like, that's been really nice just to be that honest with myself. And so, um, yeah, for me, it's been a lot of self-reflecting and and just things along those lines. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Uh, you know, I guess to, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to like umbrella this year, or this time. And I guess, this, yeah, I guess the best way to put it is this moment in history. But what has this moment in history taught you as a songwriter, but even more so as a person? Um, man. Don't uh, worry, we'll get to the easy questions after. I, pro- I, I think- promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me 
is like we have two ears and one mouth like shut up and listen to what people are saying to you and then have the knowledge to speak about it like I think um I think a lot of people talk a lot and I think it's so valid sometimes when it's like this is how we all feel and it's so awesome to get all that out but I think this is strictly like a personal thing. I think this year I had a lot of learning to do and I had a lot of listening to do. And I think as a person, we just can't forget that after this year and the years to come is like, you have to be aware of people's emotions and how things make people feel. And you can never tell someone like, no, you don't feel that way. It's like, no, I said I do. And that's enough. And now we have to take action on on that. And so I think, yeah, for me, it's been like, listen more and probably talk a little less. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. Like, I literally, like, yeah. that's when people, like, people on this podcast will always be like, was that a long winded answer? I'm like, no, I'm here to listen. Like, that, like, I, people have heard like, way more than they need to. So <laughs> I, I agree completely. And I think, like, just going to that, like, there are so many people, and I don't know if this is as much the majority, but like, when, the pandemic was more in like the summer months of 2020 people were like well this year's just a wash well this year's just a wash and i sat there and like i'm like well how do we make it so that this year isn't so that we can look back and like yes 2020 by all standards was a, a horrible year but like what did you learn from it what did you gain from it because even in our darkest times there is something to learn there is something to gain and i think that's really important as a person whether it is to listen more or to to do more in the community or whatever it is it is start a podcast start writing music whatever it is you know like i think that's really important to reflect when we look back in a couple years from now on on 2020 i think yeah it it definitely was like i think we live in an era of like just cancel culture like everyone just Mm -hmm. wanted to forget about 2020 and move on and i totally get that like those emotions are like I get it. Like, I get it. It's been terrible, but it's also like, well, maybe this was just a year of un- unveiling a lot of terrible things happening in America that are actually really important to look at. And I know mm-hmm. it's, it's lasted way longer than it should have. And, sure. I, and I hope it stops really, really soon, but it's like, I guess I would, I would challenge all of us and myself included, like there's obviously something very broken about it. And so what can we do? And like, now we take action and we've seen it, we've seen it enough. And so it's time to change it. And I think if nothing else, that's what what 2020 was. And um, it's shit that it had to happen that way, but hopefully it's only for better. It was, it was an eye opener. That's for sure. No one's, no one's doubting that, but uh, let's, let's shift topics here a little bit. So it sounds like We'll get to more some, some uh, lighthearted questions to round out here. Yeah. But it sounds like music has been in your DNA forever. I think everyone can agree with that. But if you weren't doing performing and music, what do you think Kathleen Regan would be doing right now? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so growing up, me and my siblings, my family had a swimming pool in my backyard. And we kind of had to pick like having air conditioning or a swimming pool. Um, <laughs> And my that is like, wait, can I just pause real quick? That is the most New England thing I've ever heard in my life. Kids, it's either the pool or we'll crank up the AC. You decide. Yes, that was def- that was absolutely the parenting that I had. Oh my god! And so, yeah, we spent so much, so much time and all the summers just swimming. And so I think um, there's always a piece of me that's very curious about like underwater sea creatures and like that life. And so I kind of think I would be doing something along those lines I also spent way too much time at the aquarium in Boston and like I just think it's so cool that people get to work there and be there all the time and so I think I'd want to be around yeah just like sea animals I think they just remind you like of so much and it's so simple and it just feels like it wouldn't be as heavy as music can be at times like sometimes yeah. <laughs> I kind of wish I could just like swim around with like a dolphin like that'd be sure. that would yeah be- Right. It's so funny. I've, I've been living here now for just over two, two years ish. I think, I don't know, but um, I still haven't gone to the aquarium over here in Boston. And I know, I I know I need to get there because that is a disgrace. I know. Well, like I'm not the new Englander you think I am. I'm very much a (laughs) transplant here. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Yeah. No, you gotta do that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Cause did you, I'm, I'm guessing like in, in, like elementary school middle school did you guys like do a field trip out there oh yes always that was always the spot yeah yeah yeah. we we, when I grew up where I grew up like we went to the aquarium of the pacific and like 
that that place is like massive out in Southern California. And we did, I think they did like a sleepover there. I don't really remember. I could be wrong. Like people, my high school friends or middle school friends are like, no, we didn't, Jared, stop lying. But I, don't like, I have slept in that aquarium. I, I'm pretty sure I have. Like sometime or another. Smelling like sea lions and stingers yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, no, I'm actually definitely not like a very great swimmer either. And so I'm not sure that my like, my swimming ability would have totally like there's no way I was I would be able to have like an oxygen tank and like everything else I would need and then also have to like do a job but right. I think in my brain I like I see myself swimming around and like just having zero worries well not. you were you were telling the story about the pool and like oh we were always used to be in the water so maybe I'd be a swimmer and I was like oh I swam in college like I was hoping you were getting there and they were like the aquarium and I was like oh okay <laughs> I'd be an Olympic diver just the aquarium. It. Even if I was able to like clean like like off the barnacle off, that would have yeah. been fun. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So let's let's wrap up with some. We do some very good rapid fire questions here with the musicians we have on the show. Ooh, excited to hear. I'm sweating. Let's I will, but I will say this is not a rapid fire that you have to answer in, in five seconds or less. And there, there might be follow up questions. We keep rapid fire very loose term here on the podcast. Okay, but let's we'll, we'll go. We'll go down the list here. So. Back when Kathleen was auditioning for Sound of Music and maybe probably even before, do you remember what the first song you ever sang was? Yes, I love to sing. Okay, two things come to mind. Tomorrow from Annie, because it was a huge theater nerd. And then secondly would be anything from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. That was my favorite show. I watched it all the time. I mentioned my mom's obsession with Donny Osmond. It just trailed right into my whole life. 90s kids usually don't give that answer to favorite TV show, but well done. Wow. (laughs) I'll try to keep you on your toes. My dad, who listens to this podcast ever so often, if he knows how to load up the episode, will be like, wow, that Kathleen Regan, she's got it. (laughs) She gets it. You don't. (laughs) She loves those Osmonds. (laughs) So uh, who is the musician you would want to collaborate with next? Ooh, uh, okay. A far-fetched musician, but he's my favorite. My answer would be Foy Vance, um, mm. songwriter. Yeah, I you didn't you cover you you covered some of his stuff on your Instagram recently. Yes, yes, I oh yeah, he's just an incredible songwriter, and he's the reason why I love him so much is because not many people know just how great he is, and I think that's a really special like right below the like stardom. Like he's had these opportunities with. I mean, he writes for Ed Sheeran and all these big people. He was on Ed's songwriter documentary on Apple Music and like, or Apple. And like, he, people know him for certain things along those yeah. lines. But I think what's so great is like, he just lives in Scotland with like his wife and kids. And it's like a very simple life. And it's like, he just crushes it. Like that, that's it. ideal for me yeah. to make money off of music and to be, to be able to sell these theaters and like that kind of community, but also like kind of just be a little unknown that's great like yeah I that's that's that was an interesting answer I, I will say what, what can I say this though your cover of Owl City's Fireflies even though it was like 30 seconds of it I was like I was like oh my gosh Owl City needs to hear this because it's a little bit better <laughs> I, ta- <laughs> I tagged them like a bunch of times and yeah. I dm'd it to them like every I was like maybe yeah that was, you. That was wild nice. I was like I've never heard this song do that kind of thing Aww, thank you. That's <laughs> you're awesome. welcome you're welcome so let's sorry let's get back to some rapid fire here um so there's been some wide ranges of answers on this one but can you describe your first performance in one word blackout I don't think I remember it okay okay <laughs> okay yeah I was so little I think that that just brings me right back to the sound of music like I I remember filmed the sound of music for you (laughs) I do have it on tape camcorder like no I do have it on tape um yeah I don't know maybe like like just the beginning I would say like I think I probably knew in that moment that there was something really special about what I was doing and I knew it made me happy but I was very unaware at that time that you could ever like make a living off of doing it. You know, I thought everybody just got to try out musical theater and like, see if they liked to sing. Um, Yeah. I just remember I was like very just happy in those moments. I was young. I was doing what I liked to do. That's awesome. It's funny. A lot of times it's the opposite. A lot of, a lot of the people that answer that say it was bad or it was too high pitched or whatever. (laughs) And like, it's, I like the optimism there. (laughs) <laughs> thank you thank you well yeah, yeah. I, I feel like if probably my first performance was closer to like 
like 13 to 16 range. I probably you can judge like, yourself more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, I think being young, you don't really care about what you sound like. You're just happy to be involved. Happy to be there. Happy to be there. <laughs> Stoked to be alive. <laughs> so who would you want to go on tour with next? Uh, ooh, okay. I'm going to say Donovan Woods to this one, who is a Canadian singer-songwriter um, who I just love. I think he never puts out a bad song and he's honest and just very, very himself. And I'm super inspired by everything he does. So that would be an honor for me. Are you excited to go back on tour, hopefully here in 2021? Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like, yeah, to be honest, I've, I've really only ever done so far and um, so far sounds like using that company to, to travel and try and figure out what a show with me and my guitar would look like. And yeah. I've been really fortunate to just be able to like latch on to what they were doing and learn and teach myself. And so, um, yeah, I'm just excited to just, just play and learn and just meet people more and more. I definitely miss, um, I miss that part a lot. That's kind of what makes writing songs exciting is when you get to meet people who care about them yeah <laughs> so, exactly um yeah I I majorly look forward to that and hope there's a lot of it for me and I can even imagine that like song rights or in a writing room it, there's there's obviously so much difference in being in a room together and hearing the sounds and feeling the sounds if, if you could even I guess you could say that right yeah. but like but like now on zoom it's just so it, I don't know. Like I, w- I would love to have this podcast us in Boston and just being able to, to connect face to face, but it obviously it, it, there's something that, to be said about human to human connection in the same room, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really miss that. And I'm not sure that I thought I was going to, like, I'm a very, I love alone time. Like to be yeah. honest, quarantine is like, has been prime for me. Like I just, <laughs> I love, I love being alone. I love like sure. not having to like network or like really talk to anybody that much. But I will say co-writing has been, it's been tricky. I'm, I'm lucky that a lot of the new people I've met over Zoom and like have been able to be connected to now since this last EP, like they're very good about just diving right in and being really honest and just cool, cool people. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't always fit. And sometimes it feels funny. And that's really hard to navigate when you're like on a screen, you know? It is. So. And I mean, we were having some issues here too. I yeah, bet sometimes I know. on the Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. Technical difficulties or like you play like an awesome like lyric and then like, they just don't say anything. And you're like, did you hear that? And they're like, wah, wah, wah. you're like, okay. Like I was stoked about that and it's passed, you know, <laughs> it's gone. It's gone forever. And I'll call it something else. And it could have been like the greatest lyric that's ever come out of my mouth. But. I love it. I love it. So speaking of touring, do you have a dream venue? Ooh, so I always, I mean, the Ryman Auditorium would be my biggest accomplishment if that was when that happens to me, I'll say. Yes, when? optimistic personality today. Yes, speak it into fruition, yes. Yes, yeah, the Ryman Auditorium, like, hands down. I've seen some of my favorite artists there, and Dermot Kennedy and Brandi Carlisle. Like, it's just, it's pretty unexplainable, like, the feeling, and I just could never, I could never imagine being able to sing in a place where that many great people have sung before you, like I would find that really overwhelming in like a really great way. Um, so yeah, that's my top. I really, just to be honest, like I don't, I don't really close my eyes and like see myself in like arenas. Like I don't, I don't go mm-hmm. see like Mumford and Sons of the Bridgestone and go like, this is gonna be me. Like I, <laughs> I do that at theaters. Like I sit yeah. there and I'm like, everybody's quiet and it's mm-hmm. beautiful, especially like overseas. I've, I've seen some shows in like London and Ireland and. There's just something really special about how attentive and quiet the audience is. Like there's something a little different about overseas that's really appealing to me. And so I like to think I haven't even seen my favorite venues yet because I have a feeling that a lot of them are going to be like that. Yeah, that's interesting because like some people's answers is I want a packed football stadium. Some people's like Jax Anderson's answer was I want to perform at a museum. Like, and I want to have visual art. I was like, that's really interesting. Like I never thought of that. I like that. Yeah, people have different, ideas of what like the best show ever can be because it's what they want it to be it doesn't have to be like a million people every single time absolutely and I think that's like that's really important just to keep to keep in your mind all the time like especially with artists like some people are really happy where they are not everybody wants or has to be Ariana Grande you can make a living and and have fans and to me if you are in that arena with zero connection attached like I don't know how you're happy doing what you're doing you know, and so sometimes that might look like a lot of money or a lot of success. And that's awesome if that's what you want. Um, but I think if that feeling is missing in like 
you're missing the part where your fans are like literally your lifeline. Like mm -hmm. I just never want to be in a place where that feels out of sight. Totally. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, so I think I might know the answer to this, but if you didn't live in Nashville, where would you be living right now? Like Galway? Ireland? <laughs> Ireland? Yeah, um, man. I've thought multiple times of just like getting back there and like never leaving. <laughs> one way ticket. Yeah, one way ticket. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think anyone in my family would be surprised if I just texted them and I was like, hey. I'm gonna go to Ireland for a long time. <laughs> See you at uh, Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, till next five years. Yeah, I would probably go there. Um, I think, to be honest, like the reality of that is slimmer just because I love working in Nashville. Like, I think I know that this is where I have to be just to continue growing and like sure. being that version of myself that I want. Um, but yeah, I mean, man, if I had the money to have places in both like no brainer i summer in galway yeah, right. yeah just if you want to visit <laughs> going from summering summering in maine to summering in galway what a glow up <laughs> yeah hey true and there was also a songwriting community in, in like a way that i could make a lot of money in maine i would live there too like under a rock or like in a lighthouse i have been to maine twice in my life um all by way of for swimming for Providence. And we take, we took a bus from Providence to Orono, Maine. And Orono is, first of all, Maine is so much bigger than people give it credit for. People need I to realize agree. that it is way bigger. And Margin in charge. when you get up to Orono, it's like one lane highways. So we would be stuck in this traffic. Oh my God. Like love Maine. Yeah. But the bus rides weren't, weren't worth it for me. Cause I would be, we, we would be there for like 12 hours. Like we would spend the night, we would swim at Bates, do a practice, spend the night, go to Orono, swim U Maine, and then all travel back in, in that night. So it was just like so much. And I was just like, I don't hate you, Maine, but it's not great. But I don't love you. <laughs> I don't yeah, love you yet. You need a big, like, yeah, you need like a big Maine revelation. I'm happy to set up spots where you should go because yeah. I think you need to get rid of that feeling about it. Cause it's I think I do. I, yeah, I was, I didn't want to, I was going to tread lightly with that comment. Cause I know how much You're you like, love Maine. I hate Maine. No. <laughs> no, I just think it's so, it's so beautiful and like hard to explain. Yeah. And I think I took it for granted for a really long time. Um, just because I was able to be there so often. And like, my family was like, so obsessed with York, Maine mm -hmm. and like York beach and that whole my dad would take me sailing. Like I was so fortunate to have those experiences and like be able to be somewhere so beautiful. And then I came to Nashville and I was like, oh, I can go to a lake. That's pretty sick. Like I'm not a lake person. I by no means like enjoy being landlocked at all. Yeah. And so literally I just started like longing for all these things I had that came to me so easily. Um, right. But yeah, Maine is top of the line. I actually have my playing, my playing cards here. <laughs> my deck of cards. <laughs> Oh, you're so New England. The <laughs> trying to keep the Boston accent alive in Nashville. I love it. <laughs> the only deck of cards I'm allowed to have. Yeah. Uh, and we, like my junior year of college, we did a giant daunting marketing project on Acadia National Park. And I know you also love Acadia National Park. <laughs> and I think I would love it too if I went, but doing an entire project on it and never even seeing it was like... You're like, I don't care about what's here. Yeah. <laughs> Trees, lots and lots of trees. Nice. Yeah, yeah. No, I've actually only ever been there one time. Like my boyfriend and I at the beginning of quarantine were like, we have to go somewhere. And I was like, let's go to Maine. And so we packed our car and drove all the way to Acadia. And it was beautiful. I can't believe it took me so long to get there. Like, I mean, I guess I know why. My, my family was really very like beach nautical Maine. We were never really like the hiking, camping Maine. Like I still to this day have never like properly camped. Um, and I think Nashville is what got me into like hiking and mm -hmm. like just enjoying that. Like, obviously there's beautiful mountains here in Tennessee. And so that, that was like a piece of me I got to find, which was really nice. But so then like looking back, I was like, I got to go to Acadia. It seems beautiful. I love it. I love it. So who would be on your Mount Rushmore of artists? Now here's, here are the rules. Because <laughs> this, this thing got a little interesting with other, other guests on the show. You have four spots. Right, mm -hmm. there are four presidents on on Mount Rushmore, so you get four spots. Now, that's not to say you can put a band there. You don't have if it's a three person band. That doesn't mean you have, you give me one more answer. <laughs> okay, four answers, four four music, uh, four music artists that you think are on the Mount Rushmore of your uh, artists. Of like my life, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hmm. <laughs> All could they be dead or alive? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Love it. Okay. I'm going to go. <laughs> okay. John Lennon. Foy Vance. John Prine. Joni Mitchell. Wow. Very wide, very wide range there. I love it. Yes. I know. And I feel like not that I know Foy Vance as a person by any stretch, but I watch a lot of him online. I feel like I can grasp his personality from like seeing him live and stuff. I feel like that would be laughable to him that I just like put him in that category, like John Prine and like John. Yeah. yeah. He's probably like, well, he's a big fan of the podcast. So when he listens to that. <laughs> but to me, like in my generation of like what I can see and see live and like feel he is that like I would imagine that's what it felt like I was never fortunate enough to see John Prine live I wish I had and you know Joni Mitchell obviously isn't touring anymore and so it's like I would imagine that their their fans got a similar feeling and so I propped him right up there those people I love it I love it so all right here's a big one here what is the biggest goal for 2021 um okay I have two one's like as an artist Oh, I, like that. I, I want to uh, keep momentum. I think okay. that's a word that I, I wanted for a long time. And I, I can feel it happening. Like I said, I was really lucky to, to team up with that distribution company that's been getting me on playlists I've never seen and like numbers I'm reaching that, um, that I've just been really excited about being at now. Um, so yeah, as an artist, I just want to keep, I just want to keep momentum, keep writing songs and just like, I just don't want to stop and, or, or slow down. Um, but I think as a person and not that I'm like <laughs> two-faced, like I, de- I think I, those, these do go into the same category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I also just feel like I just want more, um, just kind of more time. I think last year there was a lot of realization of, um, like peace and relaxation and like time, like free time that you did have. Mm-hmm. And I think I've, I tend to get really caught up in like my career or um, any job. And like, you kind of forget that you could just like wake up and not be able to see your friends anymore and not be able to see your family, not be like, I want to carry into this year, like how fortunate you are to have time with those things. Um, And I just don't ever want to forget that. Or even music, like I get to sit and write, like that's time that I get to have. And yeah. uh, I think you just have to remember that that is like a gift and it's not just given to everyone. And so for sure, I, just don't, I don't want to forget those two, those two things. I like that. That's a good answer. Now here's, here's our last question. We ask it for all of our guests. So I'm excited to hear your answer here. If you were to write your autobiography today, clearly you have many, many more years to go, but if you were to write your autobiography today, what would be the title of it and why? Ooh, that that's typically the first response. <laughs> Ooh, good question. No, more like, oh, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> that's a great question, though. Um, what would the title of my autobiography be? Okay. <laughs> I think it would be called, if I can do it, and it's like that inflection. Like yeah. if I could do it, anybody could. And I like tell, nothing it, like, italicized <laughs> if I can do it. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. That would be my message. Because I think like a lot of times people like look at music as like, how did you, I'm like, you just, yeah. you just like try and you just like keep going. Like you don't, and I hate, like I used to hate that answer, but it's like, there's just like nothing truer than like, you just kind of get up or you just keep going. And even in my own like personal life, there's been plenty of things that would, would make me jaded about people or like situations or like love and triumph and all these things. But I think it's just kind of, it's a mindset of like, you get to, you get to do this. We get to try, we get to take opportunities and like keep moving. And so, yeah, I don't think there's anything special about like, um, really, (laughs) there's nothing special about me. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm not any different than like anyone else. Like I just think it's like, you just choose to do what you like. And I think that's awesome. And I, I would say like, do it. If anybody has any sort of like fear, that's, that's actually a really great thing. That's such a great point. Cause like, I, I, I kind of seen that a lot now with this podcast and I'm not saying this is like the next, you know, Michelle Obama podcast, Joe Rogan experience, whatnot, no, but, but like yeah. people are, people will be like, how did you get so-and-so on the podcast? And I was like, I shot them a DM. Like it, it, it and like, 
you know, how do you keep putting out, uh, how do you keep putting out episodes? Like, I'm not trying to toot a horn here. It's just like, you just got to keep trying. Same thing, totally. Exactly. Like, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask someone to come on the podcast. If anything, if they say no, on to the next one. Dude, I mean, and I mean, if that ain't music, like that's what it is. Like, can we meet? Can we do this? Can we do that? And I'm terrible at this too. Like, I'll be the first one to admit, like, I really do hate nagging people because that's what it feels like to me. And I, I feel like I've seen that in other people. And it's like, you just, you hate the idea of even being close to that. But I think sometimes it is just a matter of like stepping up and just like being that tinier piece of like, I could do that, you know, like that's, that's doable and I'll, yeah. I'll try it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Kathleen, this was an absolute blast. Thank you so much for, for spending your day with me and, and whether we had some technical difficulties, <laughs> we'll make sure to get those ironed out, but I really appreciate it. Thank you so much and keep doing you and keep being awesome. I really appreciate oh, it. Thank you, dude. This was so awesome. I mean, I appreciate you asking me to, to talk and yeah, anytime, especially in times like this, it's nice to connect and and, and be connected with other people through your podcast. Like, this is really awesome. I'm Thank you. grateful that you asked me. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, well, we'll definitely keep in touch. You bet. Bye. Bye. So a huge thank you to Kathleen Regan for coming on this week's show. This was a, a, a top, top, I mean, I, I say this about every interview because every interview is so great, but this was such a fun one to do. Another great singer, songwriter. But I think what I love most about Kathleen is her personality and the way that she is so personable in her music. You really feel the emotions that she is trying to convey in her songs. You can feel those New England roots through the music that she creates. And even in this interview, I think it was very down to earth and you got the genuine Kathleen Regan. So a big shout out to her. Be sure to go check her out on Spotify or wherever you listen to music, Apple music, etc. We'll leave links to Kathleen's music in the description of this week's podcast. People in Places Volume 1 is out right now. Be sure to go stream it. Her new music video, Mercy, is also out. We'll link that as well. Follow her on Instagram at Kathleen Regan Music. Be sure to follow us on Instagram as well to see snippets of this week's interview and bonus content as well. We really appreciate all the listeners wherever you are here in New England, across the globe, and the 30 different countries that I last checked. Thank you guys so much. It really means the world to me. And I will see you all next week.